Hi, this is Jennifer. I'm Elizabeth. This is Amanda. And I'm Jasmine. And we are the Sisters Collective. We invite you to pull up a seat and join our family meeting. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Sisters Collective. We are gathering around the couch today, and I have a special, special, special guest with me, and I want to introduce you to none other than Michelle Reynolds. Will you please welcome her? Glad to be here. We're glad to have you here, and I want to share a lot about you. I want people to get to know you. There are a lot of people in our city that are familiar with you, but I want to talk to them about another vantage point of your existence. I have been following you for a while and silently admiring a lot of things about you, a lot of things that you do. And I want to tell my listeners, the listeners, a little bit about some of the things you do. And then I want to tell them why we have you here. Um, Michelle Reynolds is the executive director of Every Kid Outreach. She's the founder and owner of Left Hand Ladies, which is an organization that is for married women, correct? Yes. And I'm going to have you talk a little bit about that because that's important. She's the co-owner of JNM Purpose, which is that your itinerant ministry or your personal that's, ministry? That's um, what my husband and I do together. So everything oh. falls under JNM Purpose. We're going to talk about that too. Yes. She is also, um, I'm leaving something out. The sistering. The dressing room and sistering. Yes. The sistering movement and yes. the dressing room. So did you hear all those things I just said? <laughs> I, need, I mean, I need y'all to take stock on all those things I just said. But what most people know of her of lately is that she is a cancer survivor. Yes. And I purposely wanted to talk to Michelle during what we are um, calling our Pinktober month, which we know that October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And... Here on the Sisters Collective, we've been listening to you guys, and you guys wanted us to bring in some guests. And during this month, we wanted to honor this month by talking to people who are personally connected to the plight of cancer. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk to you, Michelle, because one of the most important things about you is not cancer. Though that's what people know of you now, I've been watching you for years, pre-cancer, in the middle of the cancer um, scare, if you will, or the the the, the situation. My dad calls it a drive-by. The drive-by, <laughs> and post-cancer. And what I've noticed, and what I was able to take from it, is you never stopped living. You never seem to allow cancer to take up so much space in your mind that it stops you from being Michelle. Yes. And I want you to talk to me about that because that is, to me, one of the most important messages that we can maybe relate to people that you are not your diagnosis. That's not easy to say or to live or to embrace, but I, I just want you to talk to me as little or as much about the process, pre, during, post. What was that like? How did you find out? Where did your mind go? Be as open and honest as you would like to be. Um, Share with the listeners what it was like, what it feels like, felt like to have that diagnosis placed on you. So first, thank you for for having me here. I really appreciate it, Um, especially because in this, this is my first month of breast cancer awareness that I'm actually 
a part of that statistic of wow. one in eight women. And so it's always been very important to me, um, to my family, because my grandmother, I never met my grandmother because she passed of breast cancer when my dad was only 19. And they knew so little about breast cancer then that initially they were treating her for diabetes. And so to watch it then evolve and another of my aunts, my dad's older sister, was diagnosed with breast cancer years ago. And she fought that battle for 10 years before her death four or five years ago now. Um, And then his baby sister was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And she as well fought that battle for 10 years. And she passed just three months before my own diagnosis. So Wow. Okay, so I have to put a pin in that because there's a clear kind of um, genetic there's a family history. There's a family there history. A family there history was a family there. history because you've already broken that. Yes. So with there being a family history, and I want you to continue, including there somewhere, how that family history played into psychologically how that affected you. Yes. So um, it's it's always been something that has been important to me to yes. honor, to celebrate, um, to take a moment and make sure people know information about it. So... This time last year, I had done a photo shoot for women. I wanted to honor and celebrate my family members who were no longer with us. And so I chose three women, three cancer survivors, breast cancer survivors, to honor and to interview. I asked them questions. We bought a videographer in. We had a photographer come in. Um, I made t-shirts, sister and t-shirts for them. And we did all of that. And I put my my grandmother's and aunt's initials on the t-shirts. And I did that to celebrate them because it was Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yes. And this That's is what, what I want to do. Yes. And um, yeah, I was diagnosed two weeks after, two and a half weeks after Um, doing that. So this is my first year, you know, where it's me. And it's also um, a time where I'm still trying to figure out where I fit because of how I chose to fight and face breast cancer. It was very different than the majority, you know, 99% of the people that you know that are diagnosed go through the more traditional and Eastern care of, you know, chemo, radiation, or surgery. Those are the three options that you're given. Those are the options they give us. Here, yes. Mm -hmm. And so because I did it very different, in this month, I'm also feeling that kind of where do I fit? Because there's not a lot of breast cancer awareness things that go on for holistic, you know, side or holistic survivors, you know, so um, a lot of the rallies and things that you see are around the traditional, you know, those are taking a traditional path. Yes. So it's really awkward kind of moment, um, but definitely grateful in this time. So I kind of told you when I found out, two and a half weeks after, um, I spent a lot of last year sick. I had my daughter in January, so I, January of 2018, 2017, I was sick throughout my pregnancy, which my first pregnancy was the same way, but I really, really was sick in the hospital. I dealt with 
um, anxiety that I had never dealt with before. I didn't even know that was a thing. Doing medicines. I would, during medicines, yes. So I was in the hospital, couldn't breathe, and then they told me, oh, it's, it's probably anxiety. Like, your oxygen is 100%. And I was like, what? No way. Like, I had never had an anxiety right. attack or any of that. But it, my body was trying to cope with the sickness because I was thrown up every day. Like, I was really sick during so my So in hindsight, do you, do you think you probably had cancer then? Probably, because cancer is not really something that, it doesn't just happen. No. To you. It, it's a buildup. So my body was going through a lot of Even while things. you were pregnant. Yes. And I dealt with depression while I was pregnant. Um, it's called antipartum yes. depression um, while I was pregnant. So I was really looking forward to 2018. I had her in January, and I was like, I get to go back to work. I get to be normal again. You figure my body will reset. It's just yes. a pregnancy. Let me give birth, and I can get back to yes. a normal And so I went back to work in March. I had to be out of work a couple days a month, every month, because I would get some type of sickness, a cold. um, It felt like the flu, bronchitis, something, um, to where it ended up building up in the month of September. September, I did the sistering revival. It was my first time doing the revival. And the night before the revival, like, that night, I felt a tickle in my throat, and I was like, oh, man, please don't let me get sick, you know. I got so sick during that week of the revival. Like, I tried not to speak during the revival, but the other person who I asked to speak for me, she got a call the night before from her doctor saying um, that they feared breast cancer. Please, cut it yes. out. Yes, and so she was... Not able, she was not in a place to to minister at that moment. Yeah, so I can barely speak, and I was just like, I'm gonna have to, you know. So I, I still got up, I spoke, but I had been to the doctor twice that week. And the first time, my doctor is not a medicine first type yes. person, I've been with him for years. He's just so the first time I went, he was like, your body is just tired. There's nothing wrong with you. He was like, you right. don't have, it might be a cold, but I'm not giving you antibiotics for that. <sighs> no, I need you to give me you something. Give me something. <laughs> so I went back a couple days later because I got worse. And he ended up giving me something, probably just giving in, like, let me give her something. A week later, the antibiotics haven't worked. I've gotten worse. By the third week, I couldn't speak. I was coughing throughout the night, like, I was bad. So I finally got well. By the end of September, I'm feeling good. Yeah. The first week of October, I'm feeling good. I've done the photo shoot. I was fine. A couple days after the photo shoot, I'm sitting on the, I'm sick again. And I had to miss work. I'm working from home. I'm sitting on the couch, on my computer. And I just got frustrated. I was just angered in a moment. I closed my computer and I said, God, why do I keep getting sick? Because at this point in time, it's apparent that, like, come on. So I just felt led to do a self-check. Like, why do I keep getting sick? I paused for a moment, which I know was the Holy Spirit. Like, check. I didn't even get through the whole self-check. The moment I put my hand down, I felt the lump. Like, there, like, I... And I continued and did it, but I knew what I felt the moment I placed my hand on my chest. There was no pain. 
None of that. I just felt it. And I'd been doing exams on myself since I was in high school because of my family family history. history. And I made the doctor check me when I was 17 because I felt something. And he said he didn't want to check me. He said 17-year-olds don't get breast cancer. And I was like, no. My mom was like, listen, she's adamant. You're going to check her. And they told me I had fibrocystic breasts. Okay. So because of that, I would check, but I wouldn't be alarmed. Right, when because I felt you expected things. to kind of feel something. Yes. Okay. But and this I was different. just got done breastfeeding. Okay. So I couldn't blame it on that. Yeah. Like, I just couldn't breastfeed anymore. August came, and I just dried up. I tried to do things, and I just couldn't. Um, so I just let that go. So now I know it's not from breastfeeding, and I just feel this. I feel this lump. So I sat there. I was like, okay. I text my husband. I said, hey, I just did a check and I feel a lump in my breast. I'm going to go ahead and call the doctor. And I'm sure he wasn't expecting that text message. You know, he's at work. And so I called the doctor. Here's the crazy thing. It's October. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You can get a mammogram anywhere yes right now you can get a free mammogram anywhere in the city right now all over the country because it's october because i'm not 40 i could not get a mammogram so i called all these places and you have to be at least 40 to go if you're not then you have to get a script so i had to go to my OBGYN, have her check me pay for that appointment Get a prescription and then wow. go to all the obstacles, all the yes. Um, But the good thing is, she gave me a script for an ultrasound and a mammogram. Which a lot of times you'll get the mammogram, they'll make you go back and get an ultrasound. So I got both. Um, I was able to get in the doctor. I got in my doctor the next day. I got the mammogram and the ultrasound the following day, which wow. is a blessing right. because people wait for weeks yes. to do that. But I was like, nope, me and my husband is calling. Like, I'm not, I don't have time to sit here mm-hmm. and wait for y'all to figure it out. Let me get in there. So I get to the place to get the mammogram and the ultrasound. And I don't know what to expect. I've never gotten a, a mammogram before. Um, they told me my husband couldn't go in the back with me because it was a women's only section. So I go in there alone. I get the mammogram. That seems, you know, I guess normal uncomfort <laughs> for right. a mammogram. Right. I go in the ultrasound room, and the lady takes forever doing my ultrasound. So I kind of figure. You knew she saw something. It's something. Like, mm-hmm. this is a long time. Mm-hmm. Then she said, let me go show the doctor the images and see if they want any more pictures. Okay. She left me in there for about 20 minutes. That's a long time. Yes, it is. You know, and I felt like it was something. And so I tried to start easing her because ultrasound techs can be stone faced. Like they don't want to show any good or bad news. And and I was just thinking how often she has to do this and see these things in people. So I wanted her to know that I was okay. To be at ease. Yes. So I started talking to her. Here you are. People trying to comfort her. Yeah. When she's there to comfort you. Well, she wasn't. Well, I don't give part of her job much comfort, but it's just like they can't give you those results. Only the doctor can. So I was just like, 
I want her to know I'm okay. Right. So whatever she's seeing, I'm all right. So she comes back in with a telephone and hands me the phone. This is, I can't even believe it every time I tell this story. She gives me the phone and says, our doctor wants to speak to you. Our doctor is not on this site right now. She's in another site, but she's looked at all your records and she wants to talk to you. So I get the phone and she said, you know, hey, Miss Reynolds, um, I just went over your test results. We really want you to get in and get a um, biopsy. Um, we see something. We want to get more testing. She said some other stuff. So I wasn't trying to get her to clarify. I just didn't understand which I was like, okay, so what are you saying? And she said, I hate to say the C word, but it looks like cancer. And I said, okay. And she was like, okay, so please make that a priority. Get in. And I was like, all right, we'll do. Got off the phone with her. I go into the dressing room to get back changed. And I recorded a video. And I haven't looked at it still till this day. But I recorded a video because I'm in the mirror. And I said, you got to go outside until, like, I'm just recalling what I know I said. But I said, you have to go outside and tell your husband this. And then you have to go and tell your parents, which my dad was the harder one to tell because my dad He's has lost. lost two sisters and a mother. And I was like, but you're okay. And you're not going to die from this. And so I go outside. That just gave me chills. <laughs> Ew. Okay. So I go outside, and hmm. um, my family has no idea. I have friends that are praying. Mm-hmm. They know that I'm at the doctor. But and they family, know what it's for. They know why, because it's I felt the lump. Mm-hmm. But I'm really cautious about telling my family. I'm not going to keep them in the dark, but I didn't want to alarm them prematurely. Unnecessarily. Yes, because cancer is a big deal yeah. in our family. So, of course, it would naturally cause alarm. So I go outside. I sit in the car. And I tell my husband what the doctor said. Um, I don't really know how he felt in that moment, you know. But I said, I got to die from something. I got to leave here one day, but it won't be from It won't be from this. And I wanted him to know it's okay, you know. So I said, let's go over to my dad's house. My dad was closer to my doctor. And let's go ahead and and tell Tell him him. that I got to get these tests done. So I go over there and I sit down. We tell him we got to talk to him. And my dad is a clown. And so he's just like, please don't tell me you having another baby. Like, okay. he's like, I don't have time. Uh, y'all kids going to get peppermints. Like, I don't have no money for no other baby. And so, of course, we're laughing. But I'm sad because I know it's about to go left real yeah. quick, you know. So he sits down and I tell him, hey, I went to the doctor. This is what they say it looks like. But it's okay, you know. And so he just sat there and he was like, okay, you're going to be all right. And I know my dad's coping is, like, he has to make sense of it. And he's, Mm -hmm. you know, the dad. He's the father. So Mm -hmm. he and I are extremely close. So I know he's still trying to process process all of this, you know. Um, So he didn't break down. But he was just, I could tell he was in in deep thought. Yeah. Yeah. so I told him I got to go tell mom. And my parents are, are divorced, but they're mm-hmm. close best friends. Mm-hmm. So I said, do you want to go tell mom with me? Because my mom already knows she's about to break down. Right. So I was like, you want to go tell him? He said, I'm, I'm still trying to process. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. 
my husband couldn't go with me, so I went and told my mom alone. He had basketball practice, and she she just broke down. Like, she, I was like, Mom, it's okay. And she did what you should not do when somebody tells you news. She's like, no, I'm just thinking about Pearl. And she named every dead oh, person no. you can name from. And I was like, Ma. Bring it's it in. okay. It Bring really it all is. the Bring way in. Back. You know, we about um, to write a new chapter. We about to write a different <laughs> kind of story this time. And I know it was just I can't imagine. You know, as a mother, my kids are this babies. The last thing you want to hear. I can't imagine that. So mm-hmm. I know it was it was hard Tough. for her. Um, so I end up the next week getting the biopsy. The doctor comes in and confirms the news, and she says that it's triple negative breast cancer. And talk about that, because I don't have personal experience with all of the different facets of it, because what I do know is that every cancer can look completely different. Yes. The only part I know is from what my sister had. I feel like she had the same thing, but she has something that was so rare that they've told her from the very beginning. This is serious, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but talk to me about that if you yeah. would like. So I still don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I know about triple negative. I don't know about a whole lot the about stuff. all the other ones, but you have invasive ductal, carcinoma, yeah, yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. you have all of these things, but the triple negative or the positives is the hormone receptors. Ah. So are these hormonal driven, is this a hormonal driven type of cancer? If it is, then they have more medicine to treat it with. Because, they because can just... a lot of the chemo drugs are hormonal-based. Ah. And so with triple negative, it is not hormonal-based, which means there's a lot fewer medicine treatments right. for it. Because it doesn't resp- like, respond to the, the hormonal stuff anyway. To hormones. So I feel like it, so it's like the bad news bears. That kind cancer. of stuff, yeah. Um, and it's like, because we don't, this is what I felt like. I'm not saying, I'm not a medical professional, but I felt like, because we don't have a lot, we're just going to throw the whole kitchen sink at it. <laughs> Which so is pretty the, much what they do. So the treatment that you do get is like long, it's everything. It's everything. and very, it's a lot. It, it's a lot on the body, too. I think a lot it of people is. don't know um, that a lot of the medicines that they're giving you a lot of it is doing nothing to the to the cancer cells a lot of what they're doing in medicine is experimental they're just kind of trying to figure it they're really practicing on you so they don't know they don't know what's going to work so you just give you everything with the hopes that something will yeah and and with the chemo a lot of the chemo does kill the cancer cells but everything else too. but it kills a lot of other things all your other immune system a lot of the organs and yeah so there's a lot that happens yes. you know as a result of chemo mm-hmm. so i found out and immediately she gave me what i would be doing like in the wow. same moment so she explained From diagnosis to and this is all the medicine and stuff that we're going to give you overload yes and and this is when you need to go get the port. And so I think she did a great job of explaining and making sure that I understood the diagnosis and where it was at. Like she drew pictures and everything. Um, 
And so it eased it into the next part. Yes. Whereas if she didn't have a great bedside manner, that I'm sure that that would. And I know that there are a lot of doctors that don't. So I can only imagine what other sisters go through. Yes. Because I think she did a good job and it was still a lot. Yes. You know, I was sitting there like, wait, what? Huh? Uh, and she said something at the very beginning where she was like, well, I'm sure you know why you're here. Like, because we schedule all of these at the end of the day. So she was telling me my results came back positive, but she assumed that I knew. And I'm like, no, why would I? I don't know when you schedule your appointments. Like, what? Whoa. There were so many things that were said, that have been said, that continue to be said. That blows my mind because I'm just like, have you been through this before? Because why would you say this to somebody, you know? And I want to... I want you to finish this story, but I also want to discuss some of the stuff that people, I want you to kind of educate people a little bit about some things that it would be helpful not to say. Because some people are ignorant of it to no fault of their own. They simply don't know. Mm -hmm. Some stuff just when it comes to death and disease, trauma, there's just some things that aren't helpful they and, and people don't know it. So if we get a moment, I want you to maybe yeah. kind of highlight some things that we, we kind of we can steer away from and maybe what, what would help, what what are some things they could say instead of that. Yes. Uh, and some of the things I don't, I don't think um, it's uh, this is what you can say right. instead it's just more than just being mindful. Yeah. Because like right now I can tell when somebody wants to, to check on me, somebody that I haven't seen in a long yes. time. So they'll ask me how I'm doing like three times, right? right. So they're like, how you doing? But what like, they really want to know good. is... And they're like, how are you? How are you doing? You know, and I'm just like, just... Just ask. Just ask me. You yeah. know, it's like, I got to go through this whole, all three levels of no, emotions just ask. Just ask. But I had doctors that said, a doctor told my, my best friend and mentor, she's signing her death certificate. When I decided not to do it their way, and I went to doctors. This one, he, I guess it was supposed to be a compliment, but he was like, you are too pretty, too young, and talented to die from this. You need to do chemo and radiation. And I'm like, you don't even know how talented and gifted I am because you don't know me. My (laughs) gosh. He said that, and it was like, yeah, I guess he was being positive and really trying to get me to change my mind. Yeah. And I wasn't doubting what they said. I wasn't doubting that I would be cancer-free had I listened to their way. It was just I chose to do something different. And talk to me about that. I want to go – I want to finish this part, too. So he said – the doctor saying to your friend, your mentor, she's signing her death certificate. That's yeah. just something you just shouldn't have been said, period. It ain't no, ain't no, there's no. She had two that. other doctors that was like, you know, she can die. Like she shouldn't do that. But that particular one said she's signing her death certificate. Um, so this, but I had someone, I scheduled the cruise. Yes. I had scheduled the cruise 
two weeks before a diagnosis as well. Wow. And so people are are signing up and, and they're like, are, are, should I still be signing up? Or are, yes. are you going to be well enough to go? All and that somebody kind of told stuff. me that. So she said, no. I really wanted to go to the cruise. And I said, you should, you should go. go. Like, come on. And she said, well, I don't. And this was, um, this was someone who had also gone through. Okay. A difficult health challenge. Yes. So to, to me, Talking to those people, it can either be really good or really bad, right. depending on where they are in their own journey. Correct. And she was still in a very hurting place. Yes. So, so she's filtering her conversation through that lens. Yes. So she said, yeah, I wanted to go. I said, you really should. It's going to be so much fun. And she said, well you don't know how you're going to be then. So I don't know if you're going to make it. You don't know if you're going to be able to go on the cruise. So I'm just going to wait. And I said, okay, all right. Like, because I've been practicing you, now protecting my peace. Right, and so right. I'm just like, I'm not going to engage in this conversation with you. All right. Got off the phone. Hey, if you have any questions, contact, yes. you know, the travel agent and... I'm going to let it go. But those are things where people, was she being malicious when she said it? She no, wasn't. She wasn't. Yeah. Um, and she probably thought this is the reality of it. Right. And some people thought that I was living in la-la land because I would not stop and plan around bad news because I refused to do that. But I wasn't, it wasn't because I didn't know that was an option. It was just, if I get there, I'll deal I'll with get it. There. But right now, my faith compels me to plan on the side of faith. And right. this is what I believe. And that's the only energy that I have to give. And I think when you when you approach thing, things from a perspective that people are not accustomed to having, that they don't have on their own, yeah. then they see what you're doing as some anomaly, as some kind of, you know, crazy Put it like that. But it's really because you were living from a place of faith that most people never do. And that was very striking from the very beginning. I remember when you um, started posting videos. I think it was you and, and, and Jermaine at first. Yes. And then it was you and your dad. I, yes. I vividly remember both of those videos that you posted. And the only thing I saw and felt from both of those videos was both of you were speaking faith the entire time. Um, I know what the doctor's saying. I understand the diagnosis, but this is where my thoughts are. This yes. is where my heart is. This is what my confession is going to be. And it was like that from day one, and I never heard it change. I never saw anything different. How do you do that? You Here's the thing when it comes to faith. We are both women of faith. We understand faith. In order for you to have that kind of faith for that diagnosis, you had to have been living by that faith already. You don't. You don't get big faith like that. In a moment. Yeah. That's something. Faith is progressive. You couldn't have had faith for something as huge as cancer if you weren't living by faith before. Yeah. So talk to me about why it's important that we already be doing this so that when we come to situations like this, when we come to mountains like this, we have the faith to look at a mountain and tell it to move. Yes. So I call it practicing faith. Yes. Um, and I spoke to some of the, I spoke to the women's basketball team at Rollins and was telling them after during my journey, that it was about practicing faith because this is not the first big thing that I've gone through. Yes. But, of course, with 
cancer. It's very alarming. Yes. Everybody knows, and they they tie it often to death because that's what we see a lot. Yes. you know, too much. Um, but I'd gone through through an abusive relationship before. I'd gone through um, infertility. I remember that with my husband and I, and re- that was a, a battle all by itself mm-hmm. that went on for years. So because I'd gone through different things and with the dressing room, I've been walking women through healing. Like that is what the process is. So when I got there, I wouldn't have said that I had the gift of faith. I have some friends who believe God for some crazy stuff. And I'd be looking at them like, you crazy until God do it. And I'm like, man, Lord, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have that. But when I got the diagnosis, I told several people, I said, look, My grandmother died from this. My aunts died from this. Not including one of my best friend's mom, my neighbor, like Mm -hmm. several people. Mm -hmm. And I said, so I know I'm not going to die from it. And one of my best friends said, you know, that doesn't make any sense, right? Right. That was was like a one plus two. And you said, yeah, but it's going to equal four. Yes. Because normally it would equal three. But for me, it's going to equal four. And that made perfect sense in my mind. But she was like, you know, that don't that make don't no that sense. equation that's like that don't that don't go together, right? Yeah. And yep. I was like, no, like that must mean that that's not going to be my fate. Mm-hmm. And so, even on my hardest days, I had difficult days. I had days that I would cry. I had, you know, a treatment that went well. Then I had some side effects. I had a double mastectomy. I got reconstructive surgery. I I got an infection and I had to get them removed. I was in the hospital for two weeks. I had moments where I cried and it was hard. None of those moments at no point in time did I feel like I'm going to die from this. It just felt like what it was. In this moment, I get to have a bad day. I get to feel what I feel and I'm going to allow myself. But at no point did I think, man, this is going to kill me or I'm going to die. Like, that never entered my mind. And I think that's the most beautiful part about having watched you on this journey. And, and I think that's what, um, I think that's what, I don't say impressed a lot, because you know what I mean? But I think that's what was impressive mm-hmm. about um, the presentation is that I, I, I never got the feeling that you were putting on for us. I, I really got the feeling that this this is what she believes. Like she is walking this thing out. She's living this thing out. And and so it gave people that were watching you a chance to kind of root silently from the background, mm-hmm. knowing that though this is not happening to us, we want to see her win because yeah. she believes, like she believes this so much. I, I want to see her win this. So when you began to talk about the fact that you were cancer-free, it was literally like as if it was happening to, to yeah. us. And so I appreciate you, first of all, for including us in that journey because you didn't owe us that. You didn't owe us your business. You didn't owe us um, a chance to um, be on the side watching you walk through this. You could have just brought your family around you and walked through that alone, but... I appreciate the fact that you brought us along with you because it increased our faith watching you walk through that with such strong faith. So I, first of all, applaud you um, for taking that stance and then being so open about it, so bold about it. You weren't afraid. I think some people, 
to no fault of their own, are quiet about the, the storms they go through. And some of it is because what if I throw my faith out there and it doesn't work? Yeah. And I had those moments. It, you know what I mean? What if I do all this big faith talk and I still die? Yeah. I had, I definitely had those moments because with my aunts, I was in church alone two hours before service started by myself. Well, one person would come with me because she didn't want me here by myself praying for my aunts and really believing that God was going to heal them. Both times that I was just like, come on, God, I know that you can. I trust that you will. You know, like Mm -hmm. that was my thing. And God didn't choose to answer. So I didn't feel like. I'm putting a demand on God and he must do it. No, I know from experience that he doesn't have to respond that way. But I continue to walk in faith until their last breath yes. that God can, hey, he can do it at any, if he can he raise can. Lazarus, man, he can do this. Listen. And then I was just like, all right, God, you know, I know that they're with you. I'm I'm grateful for the yes. life they live. But with me, I was just like, hey, this is what I'm believing and I wanted, I didn't want to let people down, but mm. I also didn't want to make it look so easy because people had started telling me, oh, you make this look so simple. No, that's no. not what I'm trying to do. No. This is not simple. And so after I got out of the hospital, I put up a video and it was a private moment talking to my husband on Marco Polo. I downloaded the video and I included it in saying, I prayed to not have another surgery. I really was like, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And I was in the hospital for two weeks with them trying to figure it out. And on top of being in the hospital with some unknown infection, I got the flu on top of that. Wow. At the same time to where I had to say there was nothing wrong with my implants. But because my body was under attack, it started doing what it was supposed to do and attacking everything. Anything. It started attacking the implants, too. So I told the doctor, take them them out. So that whatever is going on with my body, it can heal. Like, let's remove any hindrances. But I was crying in that video. And I showed that because I Mm -hmm. wanted them to see this is not easy. But you, I don't want you to look at me and say, man, that's so great what she did. I want you to look and say, so when something happens to me, I can do it too. And the only way that you may feel like that is if you see there's good and And there's bad. And I can, like, yes, I can do this, too. Mm-hmm. And so I, hindsight, I look at it, and it was almost like the Obama campaign. Obama, you felt like you were a part of the victory, yes. too, because he included everybody. Yes. You felt like, well, I can go walk door to door to five doors mm-hmm. and tell people I can give $5. He made it a team victory. Yes. And so I began to put hashtags, hashtag I win, hashtag we win. Because I knew I wasn't doing this by myself. Right. The whole city. Yes. People Literally. from all over the country rallied mm-hmm. around to help me during this, to help yes. us, my family and I, during this fight. And so it was like, no, we're like, we're going to do this. And you can do this, too. Right. So when life hits you, whether it's cancer or something else, you can get through this. Yes. And I, 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 that's, that was what was felt. That's what was translated to us. It's interesting you just said something about people think, thought the process was easy. Um, the devotion that I did this morning with my kids, um, the end of it said, fear is easy, faith is hard. Yes. And, and that's just an absolute truth. Um, and I, but I do appreciate that 
you did that you included us in it and that you didn't shield us from even the parts that weren't so pretty. Um, talk a little bit about the holistic approach that you took and what made you do that? Uh, so because of my family history, because I traveled to Ohio um, during a couple of my aunt's treatments. So I saw her after chemo. I saw the burns after radiation. Mm -hmm. um, she'd gone into remission a number of times and then the cancer returned. Um, or she had an issue because as a result of the treatment, yes. you know, that wasn't the cancer. And so because I saw that, I was probably more open to trying something else, but I had a brother. I have an adopted brother um, who um, is from Nigeria. Wow. He moved with us when I was 12. He was 14 and um, very, very intelligent. He's also married, married to a medical doctor. And he is not a fan of Western medicine. Like, that's right. not where his mind goes first. Not because he's like, y'all not trying to help people, but because... He was raised That's in a completely different to. country. And yes. they, so when he moved with us, if you got a headache and we're going to give him a Tylenol, he's like, well, mm -mm. why are you giving me this? What, what we doing? Yes. Either we're going to pray or we're going to eat something different right. or like change his diet. Yep. That's how he lives. So, and he played ball and he had gotten hurt and some, had done some things through Western medicine that we would do. And it really messed his body up for a while. Ooh. So he's really into researching mm -hmm. alternative treatments. So when he found, when he heard of my diagnosis, he immediately started looking back at the things that he was looking at for our aunts. And he said, Michelle, whatever you do, it scared the mess out of me. I'm driving down the road. I'm telling him, he said, promise me, promise me you will not do chemo and radiation. Whatever you do, promise me. And I got so mad at him because I was like, you can't make me do that. You cannot take that option away from me and you don't have anything to, to offer me. Like, that was the last thing I expected. When I said I was going to make it through, I was thinking chemo, radiation, you know, oh, the wow. regular treatments. I wasn't thinking holistic. I didn't know nothing about holistic. But when he said that to me, it scared me. It upset me. And I just kind of didn't answer him. He was like, I'm going to get you some information. And he lives in New York. My dad, his friend, myself, Jermaine, him, my brother and his wife, the six of us, really the five of them. I was just, I was overwhelmed with information. Yes. I just needed it was a moment. overload at that point. I went to my dad's friend's house. She helped me change my whole diet. She prepared all the food for me. I stayed at her house for two weeks. Um, so Jermaine would come by and see me. He would bring the kids. But she lived an hour away. So I stayed there just to give myself quiet. Yes. And they were researching. And then they brought it back to me and said, these are the options that we came up with. They gave four different places. It had to be something my sister the medical doctor, she's not a fan of traditional chemo and radiation, but she's a medical doctor. So right. she's like, I, I need to feel good about this. So they found things that there was a hospital, a couple of them, integrated medicine. They do mm -hmm. both. 
she wanted to feel good about it. They presented the options, and I was like, I got to try something different. And that's how I did it. I was like, I got to try something. And I knew people was going to think I was crazy, so I didn't share that part because right. I didn't feel like Again, defending you didn't and going that. back and forth. So I said, I'm going to share it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to already be there. Like, by the time they find out, it is, it's going to be over. So my close family and friends, the church leadership team knew where I was going. I only chose that particular place in Mexico because when a couple at our church found out that we were looking at holistic, they said, well, we went to college with one of the owners of the hospital Stop. in Mexico. Pause. Because this whole time <laughs> that you've been talking, I have the one thing that has has popped up is, do you see the, the, the divine orchestration of all of this? Yes. Uh, first of all, you just happen to have an adopted brother from Nigeria that, mar- that marries a medical doctor. First of all, from Nigeria, who is not a fan of, of, our, of, of Western medicine, who is innately aware of the benefits of holistic medicine. Married to a physician, person from the church, knows the person over the facility, hospital hospital that you wanted to go to in New Mexico. The divine orchestration of all of this, amazing. And you would have gotten to none of that had you not put your faith towards it. None of it. Like, none of that would have mattered if your faith was not for the fact that I'm going to live. Yep. That is, like, if you can't see, not you, but I'm talking about the yous that's listening. If you can't see God in that. It was crazy. And me going there, I think that was to help ease everybody else, like my family and those closest to me. Because I was going to go to one of those hospitals, regardless right. if we knew somebody or not. Right. But because... He went to school with one of the owners. It's one of four owners that he knew. It's the only American-owned hospital in Mexico, but they still do all of the, mm-hmm. the holistic treatments that they really can't But now it's a personal connection. Because of the personal connection, that's why I chose that place. Like, it wasn't the prettiest place. It wasn't... But I chose that, and it put other people at ease as well. Yes. Like, oh, okay, well, She's we in good know hands. somebody. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we went there for three weeks. Um, my husband and I left our, our kids here with our, our village. Yes. Um, Talk about a village. Listen, like, I have a strong village. A strong, strong village that I could not have done what we did and how we went about it without them. And my sister at the last Left Hand Ladies Retreat, she got up, and my sisters don't talk. They're not like me. They're both introverts, and they don't get up and speak. And But I always honor my biological sisters. Yes. Um, but she got up, one of them, and she said, Michelle has the best people around her ever. She, he, she, she's told me a number of times privately, like, Michelle, you have the best friends. But she was like, I just want to thank all of you because my sister went through this and she got through it because of all of y'all. She was like, I just don't even know what to say about the village that's around her. So she was, my family is grateful for the village, you know, and that's another thing through things you have to like, yes, practice in faith, but relationships are important because the, they raised $40,000 for me to be able to go to that facility, do all of that. Yes. 
But you know, that's a testament to the goodness that you've given. Because oh. we do, we really do reap what we sow. Yes. So somewhere throughout your life, you got what you gave. Okay. I had high school students from that I would be on campus with at Edgewater that would send $500 gifts and was just like, hey, thank you. And then some students that, some people that I would not have thought of, like people that I went to college with when I was 18 that sent the gift or some of my old classmates' parents that said, right. you know, hey, I remember you or thank you for helping me with this. So it was like God was showing me this is the seeds that you've been planting. It's harvest time. Here, like, this is a piece of mm -hmm. what I'm allowing you to see. Oh, and can you imagine what he has stored up for us? Cannot imagine. In heaven, Can't like, even fathom if, that. If, Can't even fathom that. I had a pastor go to my dad and say, I've never seen anything like this before. After the benefit concert, that people didn't know that I wasn't going to be at the benefit concert because I was in Mexico, right. you know. And I recorded a video that didn't go go through but afterwards people were just like thank you people that I didn't know that I met months later that said I came to your benefit concert like I saw it I didn't know you this is my first time meeting you but I came and I gave and because I saw your video online yes and I was just like wow. yeah like it's overwhelming love yeah it, yeah it really is and you know what that reminds me of this when we when we are distant from community, we don't get to experience yes. God's love. Because that was an example. That was God's love on display for you. Yes. And had you, not to say that you owed us the inclusion of, of that, but the fact that you included your village, and, and not, the, not the worldwide web part of the village, but the fact that you included portions of your village in that you got to experience a level of God's love that, a lot of people don't ever get to experience, and that takes it kind of away from this. Not this isn't even about health scares. Yeah, it's about in life. I'm learning about the value of community. Yes, and how invaluable it is, whether it's sisterhood or or brotherhood or just community in general, and how valuable it is that we um, insert ourselves in community and really be of value to those in our community, not because we're going to one day need them, but because we were, we were, we are innately built for community. Yeah. We have a God who is we community. Are. He is father, son, and spirit. He is community. He has never been, he's never not been community. Yep. And so, and we somehow think that, that we, we can, can do this without community. Like and we my, cannot. My entire, if you look at everything I do, all it of screams, it. Don't do life alone. Like, that's what we do with EKO, Don't Do Life Alone, Sistering. And I've had people come to me in tears and say, like, I'm really, just randomly, I had somebody text me and say, I'm really not trying to do this alone. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. You know? And I'm like, hey, okay. I got you. There's a start. Let's go. But so, so talk to me about your projects because I want people to know, and I'm so glad that, that it, turned in the direction that it just did because this really, the main reason that I chose you as the person I wanted to talk to throughout this or during this month um, of Pinktober or honoring people who have survived cancer, who have been touched by cancer, period, is because you never became your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, 
and though there might have been moments that you've expressed where, where you know things got rough, there was a Michelle before the diagnosis, yeah. during the diagnosis, and after the diagnosis. And I want my listeners to know what it is that you do. You talk about every project that you're part of is really screaming, don't do life alone. Mm-hmm. Talk about that, and then talk to us. Run this, because you got it, girl. You, you are the quintessential um, renaissance woman. Like, you are doing <laughs> some things. You are doing some things, and doing all these things as a pastor's wife, um, and not just your typical pastor's wife. You do a lot of things in the community. You, you are a mother of two. You are a, a, a wonderful wife, but you are a community leader, too. And I want you to talk to our listeners about all of the things that you are doing, all of the, I won't call them projects, but ministries that you are, are at the helm of. Talk to us about each one of them, and then we're going to leave some information in our show notes so they can get involved in some of those things. Okay. Talk to us about. Great. Yes. So um, first you said I'm not, uh, like cancer is not just who I no. am. And that's how I've been forever. That was one of the, like before cancer, I'm not just any one thing. And I don't let people put right. me in a box. One, I put a picture up one time and said, if you're going to put me in a box, make sure you have several of them. Right. You know, because I'm going like, to jump out of that one and get yeah, another one. Yep. I do a lot of things. Yep. I wear lots of hats <laughs> and I wear them all well. So, um, I'm a wife, you know, and Mm -hmm. my husband and I do everything together. Like even the things that, of course he coaches basketball. Yes. I'm not on the sideline coaching with him, but I'm right there. So like, so we support one another in a lot of different things. So he's the pastor, I'm the pastor's wife, but because I enjoy like still being, who I'm going to be. I'm mm-hmm. not going to fit in a box. I sing on the praise team. Yeah, I saw I don't, I don't, I'm not sitting up here leading. Like we, I'll lead a song here and there, but I'm the background singer. Mm-hmm. And I do that because that's what I enjoy doing. Right. Like I love just singing. So that's I didn't want that, that to be. feeds you. Yes. So that's, I'm not going to not do that because I'm the pastor's wife. Right. Nope. I'm going to sing. Um, so I do a lot of things here at Redeeming Light and we're all about community. So, very little that we do is just for people in our church. Our graduation service, we include the entire community. So kids come who we've never seen before, but they're in our community and we want to celebrate that. And them. you're here to serve the community, not just the com- part of the community that comes to your church. Yes. I've seen that you guys have been doing some um, some of your Bible studies. Bible literally study on in the, the community. Tour. Yes. I'm I just like, it. genius? That is my favorite I'm like, yeah, so they're not going to come in here? Fine, I come to you. Yes, and we have gone to the laundromat. We've gone to the barbecue spot. Like, we went to a motel, and, yeah, we're going to set up and feed the people or give them money for laundry, and Mm we're going to share the gospel. Um, So that's that's who my husband and I are. We are community people. Um, We both run the ministry Every Kid Outreach. It was founded by my dad in 1991. Um, and now we run the ministry and he said we retired him, uh, him like Muhammad Ali. Um, we serve middle and high school students. We're on campus in community. So when they go to school, they see us on their campuses. We break bread with students. Um, so a part of what Jesus did was breaking bread with people. And that's not just about sitting down and eating with them or giving them a meal, but it's really about doing life with them. Yes. So we sit down with them during lunch. We meet them after school. Then when they come home to their community, we're here. We have a basketball program that we do with them. We have a mentoring program and leadership. 
that they can be a part of. We have classes for that. So we always need volunteers and okay. things um, okay. with every kid outreach. But that's what we do with um, middle and high school students. Um, so we're on several campuses throughout Central Florida, throughout Orange County. Which campuses are you on? Um, Edgewater High School, and then three of the middle schools that feed into Edgewater, which is Maitland Middle, College Park Middle, and Lockhart Middle. Okay, wonderful. Okay. Yep. Um, we have students that go to other campuses all over in Orange Seminole, but those are the campuses that we have a presence on. So if they're every not, week. so if they're not on one of those campuses that you're on, they can still come to yes. the after-school portions of it. Yep. The community they can still parts be a of part it. of the mentoring part, um, or after school on Thursday, we do open gym from three to eight at the Life Center. Oh, cool! They can come down, homework, help, play games, play basketball, just chill, whatever. We have the music going, everything. So. That's what we do there. Um, left hand lady. So I have J and M Purpose, my husband mm-hmm. and I, and basically all of our businesses. So I don't really put J and M Purpose out there anymore. It's just kind of like the parent the hub. company. The yeah. Hub, yeah. Um, but underneath that, um, Left Hand Ladies was birthed, mm-hmm. which is a community, a sisterhood for wives and engaged yes. women. It left hand ring finger. Yes. A lot of people are like, which was right handed. Can I come? No, like, but it was a. I mean, a genius. The poet in me absolutely loved the the Thank imagery you. and the connection of that. I thought it was genius. Thank you. So talk God. to me about what Left <laughs> Hand Ladies does. Anything you guys have coming up or what you guys are doing? So it's really a community that is always talking or doing things like the conversations. I really just wanted women to have a space to have yes. real conversations, yeah. not just say, oh, I'm a wife and we have sex every day. We cook every day. So like, no, much more. no, I don't do that um, right. I don't have time to do all of that every single day so right. I don't want to put that image out because then you over here that's a wife may feel like you fail and if you think if you're I'm not doing, doing that this, right. yeah and I'm like no so let's have real conversations I wash clothes and sometimes they don't get folded you right just pull them out the basket and sometimes keep it moving sometimes right. yeah so it's those were the conversations so we have different Marco Polo groups we have a Facebook group um that people just meet and they talk. But once a year, we do a retreat where we go mm. away for the whole weekend. And we've invited single sisters to come who are interested in getting married so that they know this is what's going on. These right. are the conversations. But it's really a safe place for wives. I love that. Um, so that's Left Hand Ladies. Sistering is just... Has blown a big, up. Yes. That was a God accident, like a meat accident but a God-ordained yes. thing to where I came up with a definition of what do I do with women? And it was sistering. And the definition, like, I, I'm going to get it put in Webster's. I'm going to read it. But, a yes. time in a woman's sistering, verb, noun, a time in a woman's life characterized by her open heart and ability to love and support other women, accepting and protecting them as sisters. Yes. Wow. So that That's a loaded is, definition. Yeah. And I went over it time and time again, and I was like, if I see a woman across the room, I want her to know I got your back. Even if I don't know you. I don't have to know you. Nope. But I'm going to protect you. I'm going to cover you. I got you. And so in the dressing room, that's what what we're doing. We're sistering. Like... And so I, I made a T-shirt just for my team and I to wear during the dressing room. And people were like, oh, I want, I that. want that shirt. Talk to me about the dressing room because that's another. Yes. The dressing room is a four to five hour interactive workshop. And it's a, a, a time of healing, mm-hmm. a time of self-reflection, self-acceptance, self-discovery. 
And you really adopt women as family members during that time while you're healing. It's a, a very personal time, but you get to do it and feel love from all angles from other women. And how so, often do you have dressing room experiences? It depends on when, like, different churches will book me to come gotcha. or different women's groups Okay, to come. okay. So it depends. And then every once in a while I'll do them where I'll just host host them. So I, I may do one before the end of this year. Um, but next year I'll be doing the dressing room tour again. So you better go to yeah, it. Yeah. Come on tour. <laughs> Y'all don't see God. You better come on tour. And I wrote the the book. So after a woman did that, she was saying, now what? I've uncovered all of this stuff. Now what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So I wrote the dressing room workbook to be a, it's a four week workbook. For you to do work and find out, like, yeah, I struggle with fear, but where did that come from? It came from somewhere. Yes. So you walking through some of those things. So that that's you can do the dressing room workbook without going through the yes. dressing room. But it helps. Um, but I'm for sure. those that want to build on that, that's like the the next step. Yes. Of, of it. That's yeah. awesome. So yes. what what do you have coming up? What's next? What else is going? I know you have a cruise. We have a cruise coming up. Yes, talk to the them one about that the cruise. I did make last year that I went That's on the cruise. Right. I mean, this year earlier this year. Yes, so and we I, have a. And I've already pitched to my um, sisters collect my the collective. I was like, so uh, we need to be on the cruise. Uh, Come. I was like, um, so maybe we gonna go on the cruise and we gonna record on the cruise. Yes. We need to go on come. the cruise you can and do record the show a lot during. Yes. You should go play with me because we yes. come. Come. That would be cool. Listen, we had such an amazing time. And anytime that I do things, I want to, this, even the LHL retreat. Yes. I don't want it to be packed with stuff to do because you already got a bunch of stuff yeah. to do at home. You need we, we time to away. Really- yes. So even on the Cistern Cruise, we did a day. It was a few hours of the conference, but it was so it was relational. So yeah. it wasn't just sit here and listen, but it was time to, to break out and it was relational. So you got to know some people. And at the end, the women was just like, we need to do something else because I just got to know her and now it's time to go home. And I was like, Aww. see, y'all should have been sister and before. But I made it such a light schedule yes. to where we had check-in points, but we only had that one time. But if you all come. We're going to chat. Then we're gonna chat. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna work this out. We're gonna chat because um sisterhood, I, I I have it was five, it was five girls and a boy. And I don't I've always had sisters around me. My older sister, we are literally 370 days apart. We're a year and five days apart. Right. So I've always had sisterhood. Yes. Um, and then there's three under me. So I've always I've never had to do life alone. Even when there were moments when I felt alone, it was because mm-hmm. I had not included my community. Yes. So at the passing of my sister, um, I had a brother who passed from uh, pancreatic cancer. And a year later, my sister passed from breast cancer. Wow. And they were diagnosed on the same day. Um, 2016, like May, I think, they were diagnosed on the same day. She was in Atlanta. He was here in Orlando. He passed just maybe a couple of weeks later. She endured, I mean, when it beautifully fought. Um, her passing just kind of sparked something in us, and it was the birthing of the Sisters Collective. Wow. Um, 
So I take sistering. I, it's not just a podcast for us. Yes. Like it's really ministry to us. It yes. allows us to, um, to really come together collectively, consistently. Yes. So that we make sure that our actual sisters are well. And in doing so, we are inviting other sisters to make sure that their sisters are well. Yes. And so we're going to talk because we're going to see what we, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to yes. work this out. Yep. We're going to work this out. What else do you have going on? Because I want to leave some, you talked about your book. I'm going to leave that. I'm okay. going to leave that, um, a, a link to that for them to purchase that. Yes. I'm going to leave information about every one of your ministries <laughs> because you, you do it. You, I'm telling you, you are working it out. And I'm glad that I was able to speak with you because we, we see people from afar and then we don't know the totality of their story. And it's mm-hmm. so much more to us than the things that we've gone through. Um, and I want people to, to, to learn that from you, that we can go through things and they can be very, very rough. Yes. And we can choose to let them define us or not. And I applaud the fact that you did not. Um, but I want to leave all of that information, the things that you have talked about, the different organizations. I want to plug all those in our show notes. So listeners, make sure that you look in the show notes because I'm going to leave all that information for you. Talk to us about what you have coming up next. Anything else? So we have, have the cruise and then um, I'll be doing the dressing room. So if you are on the subscribed, cruise, or? no, no, no. Well, I may do the dressing room in the Bahamas while I'm there because um, I have some Bahamian sisters. So I, I may be doing that, but I'll have some other dressing rooms that I'll, you know, once the dates are set in stone, I'll put those on the website. Um, I'm trying to find moments to where I can just, okay, Michelle, take a break. Oh, yeah. You Um, have to. You do a lot. So you have to make sure that you're cared for. I have to make myself do that because otherwise I'll just go. You have to plan. I've learned after all the stuff that I got going on then, decided that I want to start grad school in the middle of running a business and then running another after school program and then teaching and then ministry. I have, I have learned that I have to schedule time for me to breathe. So I'm going to spend some time the next couple of months Yes, because this time last year was a lot for me. You know, I missed Thanksgiving with my family because I was gone Yeah, and I got home a week before Christmas. So I really want to enjoy these next these next couple of months. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we have the dressing room that will be on there. Um, and sistering, I'm going to try to once a month do a sistering social. We did it yesterday. I saw and I missed we it because it was on a Sunday and Zaxby's. I couldn't come to Zaxby's, but I saw Yeah, um, but just doing them simultaneously. Because on the sistering page, we have almost 5,000 women. Yes. They're all over the place. So there's two sisters in... Canton, Ohio, that are going to host one there, one that's in Cleveland, Ohio. She's going to host it. And the idea is that all of us would do it at the same time. That's awesome. So that then we could go live and see one another and see sistering happening in Texas and D.C., you know, wherever. And so I really want to get that off So this is a whole movement. Yes. This is not what, what just was something that started in your own heart in a response to a call that you saw. Uh, a need for something just locally right around you has literally sparked into a movement Yes, that you now have people sistering in other states. And countries. That's big. I looked up the stats the other day and saw how many different countries, wow. like people that were in different countries. I'm grateful and, and totally blown away. I'm like, 
I didn't, there's some things that I put a lot of thought into and plan. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I got this business plan. I'm doing this. And some of those things ain't doing nothing. I Mm -hmm. didn't try my heart. And and then it's just got things that I didn't plan. And he's. It just, just take off. And sistering is one of those. And how beautiful is that? I love it. I love it. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I do want to share something with the community so that they would know about survivors. Please. And that is that cancer-free is great. That's obviously what we want, but that does not end the journey for those that have walked this journey. It is a continual journey. It's just like when you become a mother, after your child turns 18, you don't have some of those responsibilities, but you're still a mom. When your kid gets married, you're still a mom, you know, like, and then if your kid, if your child passes away, you are still a mom, you know, that doesn't change. And once you have that diagnosis, which I'm sure is the same for many other diagnoses, but I can only speak for, right, for cancer. Once you have that diagnosis, it's something where now I have, I think differently, you know, I can't make myself unthink. Right. That, that I ever heard that diagnosis to where sometimes I might feel something years ago, I wouldn't have thought anything about it. Now when I feel it, I'm more cautious, like yes. I'm aware of it. When I go places and I have to fill out an application, cancer is on a lot of those applications, yes. you know, and they want to know if you've ever been diagnosed. I felt like a felon before. I filled wow. it out and I really wanted to put no. And in that moment, I thought about, you know, sisters and brothers that have made a mistake in the past, but that's not who they are. But now they have to put yes when they're asked about if they're a felon. And I was just like, I really want to lie because this don't have nothing to do with what they're asking me. But I know when I check this, you get to decide how you treat me and what questions you ask me. And I just don't like people having that much control over me and how you interact with me. But it's a part now of your life. Yes. And so I was sharing that with someone and she said, I need to go check on my mom because once it was cancer free a couple of years ago, it's just like we never revisit the conversation. I don't know how she's doing. And just sometimes exhale and keep moving. Yes. And sometimes your heart just needs to be cared for. When you and I talked the other day and mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm having a moment. I was just going through my bank records from last year and saw my life change through my bank statement in two days. I I saw going out to eat this day and MRI the next next day. day. And then I saw all these charges and I was just like, oh my goodness, all of this happened in an instant. And you never know when somebody might have one of those reflective moments or if they have a health scare. And instead of thinking a cold, you think... Now you think... Oh goodness, like... So it's just those things to make sure that during this time, but beyond this time, you're checking on those people that have walked that journey. Yeah, not to forget that a, a good diagnosis or a, the term saying cancer-free, that doesn't end it. That's yes, a, it's a journey. And that is a great, great celebration moment in the journey. But the journey continues. It's after. more of a comma than a period. Yes. It's more of a comma than a period. It's a great one. It's a great comma. We don't want to. <laughs> we love commas. You know, because a commas. lot of people don't get that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'm grateful for it. And I'm, me and my sister, who was also a triple negative, not my biological sister, but a sister that I've met along the journey, we say one and done. Right. You know, so That's it. I, I don't need another it. comma. Don't need but it. Don't need it. It is definitely a journey. So love on those people. Check on them um, without the expectation that they're going to say good. Right. And let them have a moment without saying, like, girl, the... You cancer free, like no. Sometimes you don't have to. You don't have to faith talk them out of the. Some people are allowed to feel. Yes. And when we were talking last uh, last week, um, I felt that in the message there there was. I could feel that you needed to sit. There, you needed mm-hmm. to feel that, and that's why I was like, just be good to your heart today. Yes. Yep. And we, we'll revisit this. This ain't this ain't urgent. And I'm glad that you were open enough and, and cognizant enough of what was going on with you that you could say, let's reschedule that because yeah. this is where I am. I understood it, but I understand it better now because of you just saying that cancer-free isn't the end of it. This really is a part of the journey. Yes. And I'm glad that you made it to this part of the journey. I'm grateful. I'm glad God you're here. Good. I'm glad you're here. He is good. He is. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, and we're out. We'll see you guys when? Next week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of The Sisters Collective. Tune in next week for another family meeting. Be sure to rate, comment, subscribe, and follow us at The Sisters Collective on all social media platforms.